like having your best friend there, for example. Like that's how we're going to start kind of including people from our communities in birth so that they see birth and normal, you know, normal births and pass that on. Oh, you know, I had this experience and I just feel like those stories are necessary. They are. They are really necessary. And even having kids at birth, you know, like whether mm, they can yes, handle it. But yes. that's like, this is how we change the culture. This is I Have My Reasons, a podcast highlighting personal stories of human resourcefulness, resiliency, and growth. I am your host, Deandra Day. Today on I Have My Reasons, I sit down with Lee Jensen. She is a midwife here in Kamloops, BC with Sage Hills Community Midwives. We talk about Lee's personal journey into midwifery. We talk about midwifery, the midwifery care model, the history and stigma. We talk about birth, home birth, hospital birth, birth trauma, and some of the challenges that midwifery care is experiencing. I hope you enjoy this conversation. So this is Lee. Lee Jensen. Jensen? Jensen. Jensen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know Lee because Lee was my midwife in my yeah. last birth with Jody, and she's also one of the midwives I'm working with in this pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just we stayed friends because mm-hmm. I think that when you have a really strong birth experience, it's hard not to be connected to the it's person true. who delivers your baby mm-hmm. or helps. And vice versa, like for yeah. us to not have that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Hard so, to say goodbye. <laughs> it's impossible, it really. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So, um, yeah. So, Lee, I just, I know you're a midwife, but I don't actually know how long you've been a midwife for. Ah, good question. So, I did my training in Ireland. So, I went to Ireland, oh, I can't remember what year that was now. But I did my training and graduated in 2012. <clears throat> at uh, Trinity College in Dublin. And then I came back to Canada after that, um, okay. just because of the model in, in Ireland. It's much more, um, it's all in the hospital. There's not really the continuity of care. You okay. can have a private midwife, but they come up against a lot of issues just with, if they have to transfer their clients, there's not that continuity to the hospital. They can't stay with their clients. So I didn't love that model. Okay. So I did my training there, came back here and, um, waited the bridging program at the time the funding had been cut for that so then I had to just sort of wait so I actually just started um, building relationship with the midwives and people in the community I helped second and ten at home births I did some doula work awesome. so just sort of got involved with birth to some extent yeah and that was get specifically in Kamloops mm-hmm. okay yeah because we had moved here for my husband got work in Kamloops and so uh, that's how we ended up here was he in Ireland with you as well? He was, yeah. We were there um, eight years, eight and a half years. Wow. And so, so a long is, he, time. is he from Ireland? No, no. I, uh, he's from Canada. Okay. I was born in Zimbabwe. I suppose we should start there. Yeah. I was, just <laughs> I was born in Zimbabwe and I grew up there and then came to university in Canada. So that's how we met at university. And then over time, um, I... And maybe this leads into the other questions, so maybe I'll leave that for a second. <laughs> but over time, I realized how much I wanted to do midwifery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how we ended up going to Ireland, because at the time, midwifery was just beginning here in um, BC. And so the chances of me getting in were 
not super high um, and I really wanted to do it but it ended up being a long process anyway but right just the way it went so but then you guys went to Ireland for you to go for to me to do midwifery mm-hmm. wow so you've been really motivated to be in this yes. profession <laughs> for a while yes yes and yeah. so what I mean what was what drew your passion for it so I had originally when I first started I did a bachelor of science uh, bachelor um, of science in biology and with the whole goal of sort of going into medicine uh, pre med Medicine and doing okay. pediatric uh, medicine. But as I was doing it, I first of all, I realized how much schooling that involved and how much that would cost. Um, so, I, so I was like, maybe not. And it really, when I thought about it, and the more I kind of was exposed to different professions or different kind of ideas of careers, I realized that that actually wasn't what I wanted. I was more like community health that mm-hmm. I was interested in. So you know, like, and then particularly women's health, like promoting health in a a community. So public health, I suppose, would be sort of what I was leaning more towards when I thought about it more. Right. Um, And then somebody came to talk, uh, when I was at university, somebody came to talk about their midwifery program in the Philippines. And it just like, it was like this light bulb, you know, you talk, people talk about light bulb moment, but it literally was, I listened to this, I'm like, that's exactly what I want, <laughs> right? Because it was about health and normality and promoting that and being involved in these, you know, amazing moments in people's lives. Yes. And being, yeah, promoting health in those, in those environments and generally as a community, like community health generally. And there's a so, piece of activism you know, and we'll mm. talk about this, but I think in midwifery and you say in promoting health, like mm. there is a piece of activism mm-hmm. in that, especially when it comes to women's health. So yes. being a midwife, even if it's just health promotion, you end up being an activist mm-hmm. by default. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yes. Oh, definitely. I think the whole profession is is like that. Yeah. Because you're, you're actively p- pursuing health for, for women and their families and communities as a result, right? Like it just sort of... trickles out from there or what's the word I'm looking for you know like a wave yeah totally it just expands and it has massive impacts on a community and I think about that because living in Kamloops I'm originally from Manitoba um and the access to midwifery care here Mm -hmm. and home birthing and such in Kamloops is very different than what is offered in my hometown And, um, you know, then I think about how that is a common conversation in our community here in Kamloops mm-hmm. amongst mothers and women that mm-hmm. midwifery is just more of a normalized option here, even mm-hmm. though it's not totally normalized, but it's more normalized than it yes. is where I'm from. Yes. Like, it's like, wow, you, you had a home birth. It's like really shocking for some people. Mm-hmm. But in Kamloops, it doesn't seem to be that shocking because there's so many right. women that have had that opportunity. Yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we certainly need more midwives for the amount of women that want a midwife. Yes. We certainly need that more. But you're right. The, there is more of a, it's more of a normal choice or option. There's still lots of um, lack of knowledge about what midwifery care is and, um, people even knowing, you know, whether that's a safe option or not. So we still are, you know, educating people about what midwifery care is, but you're right, it's definitely more sort of known and people are a bit more comfortable here in BC. Yes. Uh, and in Kamloops specifically with midwifery care. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the biggest misconception that you get around midwifery care? I think probably the biggest, I don't know if it's the biggest misconception, but the most, a very common one would be, you know, people just don't know whether, um, 
a midwife actually helps them at their birth. It's really surprising. Like they'll apply for midwifery care, but maybe uh, I've had quite a few people not understand that the doctor is not going to be there. Like that's that we're the primary care providers in in like a low risk, healthy pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So they think that it's more like building that relationship and that you'd be working alongside a doctor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And is that, that is a model for some places? Um, or not really? That's no, no, not usually. I mean, in Ireland, it would have been, you know, we would have worked in the hospital a bit like um, obstetric nurses, okay. um, but also would have done the actual births. And then, you know, if we needed to consult an obstetrician or pediatrician, then we could. Okay. Um, but there was always the obstetrician involved um, or a pediatrician involved in writing orders and things like that. Okay. So it's quite different here. We have a bit more autonomy. And so how does it work here if you were to say, I know it's different versus home birth in the hospital, but. Mm -hmm. You mean in terms of like, if we needed to consult somebody else, then we would like, so we have a guideline by our college that tells us um, when we need to have another discussion with another healthcare professional or when we need to consult like certain situations, we would consult. Um, Or in some some cases we would need to transfer care altogether. Okay. If there's more, you you know, we're talking more, obvious medical concerns you know heart defect heart heart disease or things like that okay that's not really in the midwife's remit to to take care of but in some cases we can provide supportive care as well yeah for sure then then an obstetrician and a midwife are involved i see that's the case so there's it just depends on the situation so we always would have that conversation with our clients about which um would be the best you know to suggest okay let's do a consult here um are you okay with that yeah one of the things that i've i've personally just loved so much about midwifery care is the constant consultation about Mm. the care Mm -hmm. you know it's like well what do you prefer and Mm -hmm. here's the knowledge and here's the options and here's what's recommended or totally you know but then when it comes down to it just always feels like it's a choice and Mm -hmm. maybe it's supposed to be a choice it is the other way. <laughs> I mean, I've been so privileged to only have that this type of care, mm. um, but it oh, it feels like a lot of decisions are put in my court as we go mm-hmm. along through pregnancy, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you know if you just generally in pregnancy is a healthy, normal part of life. So the way that and it's a really important part of our care as midwives is that you're involved in the decision making because mm-hmm. it's your pregnancy, it's your family. So you know your family is involved in that decision. So it's a team effort. And that's where that relationship building is so key. Yes. So you build, we build, we try to build relationships with our clients so that they feel that they can trust us Mm -hmm. um, and that we can, we can understand what their needs are and what their um, preferences are. And I, and that builds safety into the care. Oh, it does. And safety into the whole outcomes. And when you're talking, I just think about, you know, my counselor brain goes on and, and I think about trauma and, um, you know, what happens for what I've seen in the counseling room is when women experience birth trauma, it's because there wasn't a choice. Mm-hmm. It's not about it being medically intervened with, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes medical intervention is absolutely necessary. Right. And as a woman, you're going to choose that, correct? right? Because yes. it's the healthiest thing for you and your baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the, the infor- like not getting the information usually or not getting the choice. Yeah. Just right. having something done to you versus that's right. saying, this is why we need to do this. Are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And so then, you know, then I think about what happens in midwifery care, that relationship that you're talking about and that safety. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it comes to birthing, safety is like, number one, it's primal. Yeah. yeah right. Like yeah. safety on a 
nervous system level all the levels yes yes Yes. and uh, you know like we were just talking before we even started this was there was a Cochrane review um 2016 I think a few years ago anyway where they looked at midwifery-led care and the outcomes from midwifery-led care and they are improved on many levels um and a lot of that has to do with that relationship between um, a midwife and her client and so improved in the way uh, Lee as in like a birth outcome? Yeah. So they specifically looked at a few, they didn't look at everything, but um, they selected, I think it was like 15 studies or something and looked at various outcomes um, in all of these studies. So they obviously need to pick things that are across the board on right. all those studies. So they didn't look at everything, but the few things that they did find was that I think it was reduced uh, preterm birth, uh, reduced loss of a baby, um, reduce like intervention like for um like an assisted birth like yes. you know like forceps or vacuum birth okay. um and reduce risks i think of episiotomy so yes. you know if you a, a reduced use of epidural actually okay and we know that i mean yes. we know that support is a huge part of pain management or pain perception of pain yes um so having good support is really key in that regard um the one thing that they did find though is that labors were half an hour longer with midwives so <laughs> Some people might find that a, <laughs> a deal breaker. <laughs> what do you think that's about? <laughs> well, I think they're just willing to wait. I think so too. Yeah, just willing to sort of wait and see and trust the process. Yeah, right? yeah. That's and that, again, like that's yeah. a really beautiful part of uh, midwifery care, mm-hmm. at least from my experience, because. With Joni, as you know, you came to my house yeah. so many times before the baby came. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it's like I thought I was in labor for so long. And I just, I've thought about if I didn't have a midwife, I feel like yes. I would have been induced. Yes. Because I was so, you know, I was nervous about what was happening mm. and I didn't know and I was uncomfortable. I just feel like if I had a doctor or a OB, they'd be like, okay, let's just right. sweep you or, you know, yeah. let's induce or you. Or even if that didn't happen, maybe you wouldn't trust the process as much and you would be a lot more anxious. Absolutely. Right? Than somebody going, no, this is okay. This is normal. This Your is, baby's healthy. You're doing fine. Right. And this is normal for some women mm-hmm. and some women do this. And mm-hmm. yeah, no. And looking at the whole, not just the physical part of it, right? It's the, as we know, as you know, <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell your story, but yeah, like the emotional and mental aspect of it is so key and often that gets kind of pushed out of the way i think it more than often gets Mm -hmm. pushed out of the way i know yeah Yeah. which is just too bad that emotional prep and yeah so i just i it's remarkable to me the difference in care and Mm -hmm. um i mean i think women need to choose where they feel safe yes right because i do think safety is important but i think you know, from my experience, a misconception around midwifery is that it is riskier, right? Where you're mm-hmm. sharing that mm-hmm. the outcomes are actually suggest otherwise. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But that, yeah. you know, even my mom, <laughs> I love her dearly, but she comes from a different generation, right? And she, yes. like, she's like, oh, so like the midwife checks your blood pressure? I'm like, mom. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you I, think would, they do? I would have to say that generation does tend to have a little bit more doubt yes. as to our professionalism right and our skills and what you're doing Mm -hmm. you know and I often say to people like the thing about the reason why I feel so secure with midwifery care is that this is a person who's gone to school specifically yes for this that's right one thing (laughs) for many years yeah that's all we do (laughs) this isn't just like a course that's right in like you know a whole schooling this is like 
four-year degree yes specifically for midwifery and this is where i think there there's some misconception as well um and i think we gent we naturally feel like um for any medical condition we want the expert we want the best person to care for that and a lot of people assume that that's the obstetrician Mm -hmm. in maternity setting and that's not necessarily the case they're definitely necessary um for you know, if there's a concern, a medical concern in a pregnancy, absolutely, you want an obstetrician involved. Yes. But for normal, low-risk, healthy pregnancies, midwives are actually the experts. And, you know, we see this in all the research. Yeah. Um, so educating people is really key. And building that, you know, confidence in in that particular choice is important. Well, you see it show up in the demand now for mm-hmm. midwifery, right? Mm-hmm. So once women... Mm-hmm have had a midwife, you know, that's, I think that that's obviously impetus to have it again. Yes. And then yeah. I know that once you have a friend that's had a midwife yes. and you get to hear about the care and the option, yeah. that then more women want midwife right, care. Right, yeah. And we're seeing more um, medical doctors also coming into midwifery care um, or n- lots of nurses, lots of n- nurse practitioners. So they obviously, which is always encouraging to ask, because yes. I'm like, they obviously then recognize the, the value of of midwifery like coming care. as clients you mm-hmm. mean yeah it's lovely when that happens yes because you yeah they get to experience it as well because they obviously recognize that value like i said which is always quite validating for us i'm sure it is especially <laughs> yeah. if they've been working in the hospital and get to see like you know um because midwives also work in the hospital mm-hmm. which is an important yes. piece too right mm-hmm. it's not just home birth and mm-hmm. um so they can witness you guys doing your work yes when you have a client that's that right births in the hospital yeah. yeah um have things been I know they've probably been so different with COVID. Have you guys seen an increase in home births or? Not as much as I expected, actually. I mean, certainly I think we have, I would probably say we've had more interest in home birth. Yeah. And people saying, you know, I'd I'd like to plan it if things are really bad in the province or, you know, that there's an outbreak at the hospital, then they'd be much more open to home birth. Mm -hmm. Um. Which is always a it's a good conversation to have with people. It's like you need to want to plan a home birth because you want to plan a home birth, yes. not because there's a pandemic. I, I mean, I definitely understand. <laughs> I totally understand that, not wanting to be in the hospital. Um, but somebody needs to feel safe in their choice yes. um, and secure in their decision that they want a home birth. So we definitely have a good conversation about that. So to answer your question, I no, I don't, I can't say that we in our practice have noticed a big change i don't know if maybe other midwives have yeah um well i guess it i mean i I totally hear what you're saying because i've had um people i know are clients that have said like yeah i wanted to have a home birth because of covid but mm. you're right it's like it has to be i mean having had a home birth it's Mm -hmm. a very you have to commit to that that's right yeah (laughs) you have have to different experience yeah 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 you have to be secure in that decision and you know we know the research is very clear that with a low risk healthy pregnancy that home birth is as safe as the hospital so we we certainly discuss that information with clients so that they know that information in making their decision um but we've certainly had people who've said if it's bad at the hospital, but we'd rather at the hospital, like okay. birth at the hospital. Yeah. 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 And some people just feel safer there. Mm-hmm. I often think, you know, I'm so sensitive <laughs> and I say this to people, I would have a hard time birthing in a hospital. Mm-hmm. And that's not because 
I feel unsafe in a hospital, but it's because I'm highly sensitive and there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of different people Mm -hmm. at the hospital, Mm -hmm. even if you're in your own room. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I know myself enough that, you know, if I have to transfer, of course, but it's not my first choice just because I know how sensitive I am. Yeah. 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 So, um, but for some women it would feel more difficult that's to right. birth at home. Yeah. And that's why we, we, you know, when somebody's interested, we, we always talk about that option of home birth because that is the choice that we ha- we give as midwives because we can do birth at home and at the hospital. Um, and we, you know, pretty inter- interchangeable in that regard. Um, so we always talk about, like I said, the research on the safety of home birth, but also talking about, okay, you need to understand what, you know, that you feel comfortable, that your partner feels comfortable, mm-hmm. because if any one of you is not comfortable being home, if that's, you know, causing anxiety, that's going to really affect your labor, right? We know, yes. like, <laughs> emotions and hormones are such an integral part of labor. So if somebody's stressed out in their decision of being of being at home or the hospital, for example, um, it probably has a it massive impact. Switch. It does. Oh, it totally does. Yeah. And so you yeah. see, you see that obviously, mm-hmm. right? When you go yeah. into a birthing yeah. situation, usually by the time we get to term, like when somebody gets to thirty-seven weeks or more, usually by then the decision is fairly solid in their minds as to what they're most comfortable with because we have those conversations throughout right. the pregnancy. If somebody's not sure, we'll have more of those conversations and more information, and you know answer their partner's questions it's often the partner that's not keen yeah <laughs> actually yes, yeah, yes. yeah 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 i'm not so surprised about that answering the questions of you know what are they afraid of what are they concerned about and um yeah. talking through all of those things yeah yeah it's a big yeah. commitment it's a big commitment and with the stigma around it too right Absolutely. that's a big part mm-hmm. of it people um again thinking that it's not as like it's a riskier option that's right and i think that's a huge misperception of home birth um so we do try to educate people on the research on that yeah on home birth being safe yeah and the more i think that people talk about their home births and make that um you know more Mm -hmm. in our cultural landscape that Mm -hmm. people will start to see because you know i think and you can speak to this morally but i'm sure that there was just a big pendulum swing like Mm -hmm. most women birth at home yes and then it was like hospital, and yes. now we're yes, yeah. like it, yeah. I mean, historically, it was a community thing, right. right? Like all the women would go and gather and help this woman labor and birth. It was the community midwife? You know, this. I watch. I actually watch Call the Midwife. Do you? I was going to ask you that. <laughs> I read the book. Like I think in my when I did my training, I read the book and I loved it. And then uh, the series came out, and yeah, I, I do watch it. I really enjoy it. I'm like, there's something really appealing about being a midwife on a bike, going, you know, going around to the neighbors and helping them have their babies. So um, that's where midwifery would have started is very much in the community. Um, You know, somebody would come running to call the midwife and off you'd go and you'd help that woman and you'd trade chicken or, uh, you know, you'd get a chicken (laughs) for your services or whatever, right? There's something lovely about that. But then it sort of became... um, more risky and uh, it became much safer to go to a hospital. In fact, where I trained in Ireland was one of the first lying in, they called them lying in hospitals um, in Europe, um, you know, which they brag about and say is such a great thing. But over time I was like, mm, I don't know if that was because it actually drew people out of their communities. Oh, and we see that effect now, I think anyway, um, in, in families just not being connected to community in their whole sort of 
birthing experience so the lying in hospital is that like hospital beds is that what like yeah lying in so you would like when you were laboring you would go to the hospital you would have your baby you would stay at the hospital for however long it used to be much longer than it is now and then go back home to your family yeah so where was the first hospital that that happened at yeah one of the first wow. yeah it's pretty it's, it's a lovely old of the old building and hospital but yeah so they took birth out of community mm-hmm. isolated women in the hospital um and basically dictated how she was to have a birth there was yes. even a period of time a horrible period of time in my opinion uh where uh, have you heard of twilight sleep i have but the yeah with this it. yeah women would be essentially drugged um when they're in labor um and wake up to having had their baby having oh birthed their baby and often you know that would be forceps birth or something like that yeah. just because they weren't present um so i i can't even imagine how that, how that would feel to be completely not present i can't even imagine um at your birth i mean certainly some people do experience that with right. you know general anesthetic cesarean sections but it's very rare and it's necessary usually yes, right like that's it's, correct yes it's like that we have to do this yes, because yes. yes and it's not just Versus like standard this is, practice yeah this is the standard practice where and and their whole perspective was that they were helping you know women not suffer yes which is just yeah taking that control from women um and that power away from women i can't yeah i'm sure that that affected them significantly oh i yeah Mm -hmm. i'm just thinking you know one of the the, this my own soapbox but since having my first birth Mm -hmm. i've become very passionate about birth Mm -hmm. and um it as a process of empowerment for women Mm, yes and i do think that by telling women that birth is scary Mm. And this cultural um, idea that we should be fearful of the pain of birth mm. and we should be fearful of birth itself is one mm-hmm. of the ways that women are oppressed the, the most. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, because it's... Because then know, they hand themselves over to whoever will help with that. Yeah. Right. You know, or whatever. Will whatever. Help and mm-hmm. feeling, feeling disempowered mm. in that situation and fearful when I think birth, no matter how it works out, whether that's a cesarean or whether that's like you know natural Mm -hmm. birth whatever um has the possibility to show you how strong you really are as a woman Mm -hmm. right and making these decisions and um going with the flow letting go of expectations like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of um possibility there in this process transitioning to motherhood Mm -hmm. um to really grow yeah and have a new type of confidence in yourself yeah Yeah. but when that's taken away from you Mm -hmm. it that's when it gets really traumatic yeah significant effects for sure yeah and I think you you know that's a large part of why I love midwifery um you know a lot of people talk about oh you've got such a great job snuggling babies I'm like well yeah but Actually, it's a lot more about women and seeing them grow into these powerful, mm. um, loving, deeply loving women and so many more aspects, right? Becoming these parents and, this, you know, being growing a family. Like it, there's something quite amazing about it and, and something I don't often talk about, but it affects me, us as midwives too, right? We talk about how it affects women having these these powerful births, despite, you know, no matter how it happens, like you said, like whether it's by cesarean or by vaginal birth, however that it happens outcome-wise, if if somebody feels supported and empowered, that's so encouraging to us. Yeah. It's, you know, 
soul satisfying. So I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> it, is it, it really, inspiring? It is. It's, like, it's yeah. incredibly soul satisfying. Um, it's very hard. Like when you get a series of births that are just really tough, sometimes that can be really destroying you know if some if there's lots of people that are traumatized we take that quite personally i certainly i do as a midwife i i struggle with that um myself in in taking that on as a personal thing because i I have such a relationship with 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 our clients right well you know lee i think about birth well you know if you asked him he, he'll say women get high at birth <laughs> it's true yeah yeah you know there's and he jokes about that. it because he was yeah. there and there was yeah. you know four people yeah. at Joni's birth yeah and he just says like if you look at women during in a birthing room like yeah. there's something that happens there it's that so you, true. you can't even put words to yeah. um and maybe we'll talk about this more but um there's something very spiritual in my experience about mm-hmm. birth mm-hmm. obviously i mean <laughs> Even if you don't identify as a spiritual person, you can't yes. deny like you're bringing a, a baby into the world, bringing life into the world. That's right. Yeah. Um, so to not enmesh with a client's experience, mm. like when someone is really struggling or things don't work out in the way that they had hoped for, mm-hmm. or they have a traumatic birth, it would be very difficult as a midwife mm-hmm. to not be impacted by that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just based on how intimate Definitely. that experience is. Definitely. Yeah. You guys yeah. have a really big job. Yeah. It's and you know. F- it is amazing. Like even if somebody does have, you know, more of a traumatic birth and struggles to be there for that. As a midwife too, you have that relationship after the fact as well. Right. For at least a period of time um, can certainly be rewarding. But yes, those, you know, those births where it's very obviously empowering and deeply spiritual and, and growth. You can see growth happening mm-hmm. in somebody. It's yeah, it's it's amazing. It feels and for the other ones. <laughs> yes, yeah, it just like fills up, <laughs> fills me up. Yeah. So yeah. I, that leads me to my next question: Is yeah. do you have um, a birth experience that felt particularly inspiring for you, like as a midwife? Hmm. I don't. There's several. I mean, there's always. You know, birth, yours would be one of my favorite birth stories <laughs> in so many ways. Um, I, obviously, I won't tell you a birth story, but it was, I think, when you see somebody going to the depths of themselves mm-hmm. and rising out of that in, you know, just a more powerful whole person, I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. Yes. It's amazing to Thanks, watch Lee. that and to be part of that to have been involved in that happening is pretty yeah it's very inspiring yeah it makes me want to cry incredibly (laughs) (laughs) sorry very pregnant no it's beautiful and yeah I'm just as I'm talking I'm just remembering it I'm like yeah it was amazing and um I certainly have other birth stories like that you know where there's just something amazing that something really special that comes out of it yeah you know and I think and I don't mind sharing pieces about my birth at all but I think for me that my birth was so beautiful Mm. you know that's I can Mm -hmm. I can really say that and difficult I I remember Mm. looking I didn't say a lot I mean my perception might be different than yours but I don't I feel like I didn't say much during my birth no I was pretty quiet I made noise obviously Um, but one of the things I said to you, I looked at you and I said, this isn't happening fast enough. <laughs> Do you remember that? I don't. Specific, I remember. Not specifically, you know. And you looked at me and you were like, 
you're doing great. Yeah. And then afterwards you told me it took a lot for me not to giggle at you because my birth was happening pretty fast. Yes, that's, that's right. It was. That's why I'm like, did you say that? I don't remember. Like, oh, yes. this isn't happening fast enough. At least, you know, maybe I didn't verbalize it, but in my head I was yeah, just thinking what you like- perceived what it should be. Right. I was mm-hmm. like, this isn't, this isn't yeah. happening fast enough, but it was happening quite fast. It was. Yes. That's correct. <laughs> yes. And then I, I, um, yeah, you know, there was a moment in in that experience where I actually went into an ecstatic state um, mm. or like very maybe euphoric is probably the word to say in my mm-hmm. transition between, um, I guess, active labor and pushing. Mm-hmm. I think, is that called the transition? Transition, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember having an experience of immense like pain relief and total euphoria and thinking, holy shit, what is happening? (laughs) This is good. (laughs) This is good. And it was, I don't know how long it was, but it felt like a really good break. Might have been 10 seconds. It could have been a minute. Who knows? And um, being able to be present enough to fully experience Mm -hmm. that was one of my biggest gifts in that Mm, that birth. Lovely. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. But I think the fact that I did hypnobirthing and I didn't do it super strictly. Yeah, but just to be more aware and present with this, with what's going on. Yeah, yes. and that we, t- you know, we often as midwives talk about, you know, don't disturb the birthing women, and that's very. It's sometimes difficult to do, you know, to really sa- stand back or sit on your hands and just let it happen because you, all the hormones that you're experiencing um, will affect how your labor progresses and how you experience your birthing mm. experience. Um, and so if we disturb that, you know, we don't know how we're disturbing like what's actually naturally going on in your body, right? Yeah. Or getting your mind elsewhere, whereas it should be sort of focused on what's happening internally. Yeah. You go into like a, tra- it's like, I was going to use the word trance, but you, you go into like a totally different mm-hmm space as a birthing woman where you're I don't know it's it's mm-hmm. hard to explain <laughs> it's it, like, yeah it is <laughs> it's like you don't know time you don't know right you know and so having any sort of disturbance like I remember the dryer beeping right in my birth yeah and I got mad I think yeah because other- you are sensitive to a lot of things I mean some women are able to just tune everything out but but for the most part people can be pretty sensitive in labor to everything that happens um you know I can certainly think of a few births where I could tell like the the client was hypersensitive to any little change like she would like just turn and I'm I'm like how can I create Mm. an environment where she doesn't need to feel like she needs to pay attention to everything okay you know like and that's really key just kind of darkening the room yes keeping the noise down or you know having some music playing that's maybe helpful for her those kinds of things um can be helpful for those kind of clients oh yeah and I think that part of the the prep that we can do as women birthing is and you never you can never really prepare no true (laughs) enough right true enough but to know like I know I'm sensitive and that became very clear with all the early labor stuff I was going through how sensitive I was and how my emotional state impacted my ability Mm -hmm. to move into birth right Mm -hmm. and yes (laughs) (laughs) my avoidance of discomfort remember those conversations (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell the the funny part um i think that was like your third visit to the house by at that point i was like i have quite a few you know over the three weeks (laughs) it was like i think i'm in labor and you came and everything stopped because this was yes yes it's like no more cramps or what i thought were contractions yeah and um 
I think I like ran back from the bathroom or something. Yes, yes. yes. Maybe this, you I remember clearly. Yes, <laughs> and you were like, "Oh, what's what's going yeah, on?" Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, I I stopped drinking water because I don't. It hurts to sit on the yes. toilet and pee." Yeah, I remember that just like clicked in my brain. I'm like, Deandra. <laughs> <laughs> you actually want contractions in order to go into labor <laughs> and it also like, didn't even click to for progress. me yeah. what I was doing yeah. right and it yeah. was like I'm laughing so hard because I remember that moment being like oh shit <laughs> yes I'm You're avoiding right. I'm avoiding <laughs> yes. and then we had a really good conversation where yeah. I was like oh I've done this before mm-hmm. I need to I need to step into this and it's part of the hypnobirthing education is like rest yes right rest yes when you have these things lay down and sleep well i've been fucking resting for yeah. three weeks yes and then at this point i'm like oh yeah it's uncomfortable when i'm on the toilet i'm just gonna run back and lay on the bed That's right. and then That's you right. said the look on your face you were like okay so i'm gonna leave and i want you to sit on the toilet That's and i was right. like okay and literally you left and i sat on the toilet yeah, and my it wasn't, labor started. yeah it wasn't long after that that you no. went into active labor i think mm-hmm. you arrived like three hours later That's right. it yeah. was like 8 30 in the morning and then yeah. you were there at like one mm-hmm. and i was like eight centimeters dilated yeah, so yeah. i just like boom went into yeah. labor and that's a classic example too just about that sort of mental and emotional connection to labor <laughs> right? yes. it's and i don't think it was that you didn't want to have labor i mean no. i was anxious i wanted to have it but that's right i couldn't see how i it was a blind spot of how i was avoiding the Mm -hmm. discomfort Mm -hmm. you know it's like in my my cognitive mind i was like oh yeah i want to go into labor and i'm preparing but then it was like anytime i had a physical sensation yes there was something that was saying no i don't want to do this yeah Yeah. and oftentimes as midwives we have to address those right those kinds of things where and that's where that relationship is so key. <laughs> if you don't have that relationship, it's hard to do that, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. To be strong in those moments and be like, yeah. you have to go there, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and trust that you can do it. That's right. But, oh, man, that was, yeah, that was really funny for me. And I've used that a lot in my life since mm. about that kind of unconscious avoidance yeah. and how that showed up in that's my cool. labor. Yeah. But then also I wanted to share this part of it, too, is I had read Ina May's um, Guide to Midwifery. Is that what Got it is? Got to childbirth. Childbirth, yeah. thank you. Mm. Not spiritual midwifery. It's the Yeah, the one. other one, yeah. And I had read all the stories. And I remember when I was in that early part of labor after you left, when I had a contraction come, I was like throwing up mm. and, mm-hmm. you know, um, having bowel movements yeah. at the same time, which was super scary for me as right. a woman, as a birthing woman, because I was like, oh my God, this is- My like, body's falling apart. Yeah, and I'm mm. going to get dehydrated or I started going into like, mm. this is, you know- um, this can't be right. And then I remembered reading a birth story from that book where a woman right. did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And only one of the birth stories in that book did the woman also contract that way or have that experience right. in early labor. And um, that was a saving grace for me because yeah. I could have gone into fear. It for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nope, this is how my body's preparing. Mm-hmm. Some women's bodies do this. Oh, neat. I didn't know that actually. Yeah. 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 And it was really Yeah. Helpful. I think stories are really key. And um, people talking about their birth stories or birth stories that they've heard, you know, just kind of having those conversations because every it is a different experience for everybody and for every baby, you know, it doesn't, you know, because of how it went with Joni doesn't mean that's going to be how it goes this time, right? And and this is where we spend a lot of time as midwives normalizing things, saying, no, this is really good. This is normal. This is part of the process. Yeah. Um, but if we had more stories, maybe that would just become something that's 
known oh this is something that happens yeah for some women they labor this yeah way. yeah so you know maybe this is okay i mean certainly there's certain situations that you want to contact your midwife about yes. if there's concerns but for the most part a lot of it is normal we just don't necessarily know that which is so nice when you have midwifery yeah. care to have that normalization and i think just based on having friends that haven't used midwifery care and then Mm. versus the care that I've had it's I've definitely been way more normalized Mm -hmm. in certain situations Mm -hmm. um then maybe they have been or or haven't even received the care right because you know when I come in for a midwifery appointment I get almost an hour yeah yeah every time and that's feels like a lot of time and Mm -hmm. I don't think that people get that amount of time no. no Five minutes, 10 yeah. minutes tops. Yeah. yeah. So I can ask yeah. the questions and say like, yeah. this is happening. Okay, that's normal. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you prep, um, I, I suspect this is part of your care, but you prep women for the realization that every labor is unique. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. That it's not this like, oh, you're going to lose your mucus plug. That's and right. And you're going to yeah. lose your... This is the, I mean, we do talk about the textbook, like this is kind of the normal textbook progress but that's not always you know like when I talk about when to page us in labor mm-hmm. I'll always kind of give the guideline as to what you know when your contractions are this many minutes apart lasting this long and this has been happening for an hour or two um I always say this is just a guideline yeah. this is not like every woman is different in how they start labor and go into active labor so this is just a guideline yeah and that's why <laughs> I say that several times <laughs> you do just a guideline it's just a guideline And that's the work. I think that's the work. And that's what the beauty of midwifery care is like letting go of your expectation Mm. and you can't control the process and Mm -hmm. having a midwife that continues to say, yeah, Yeah. you know, we just have to go with what comes up. If it's healthy, then we're okay. Yeah. yeah. Like that presentation I was talking earlier about, about the fear of childbirth. She was talking as well about, you know, birth is not certain. This is, we know this about birth. It's, there's lots of uncertainty in birth, but that doesn't mean that we need to look at that negatively. Um, And so to start reframing that uncertainty to being, okay, I'm going to be as prepared as I can be, Mm -hmm. you know, with being educated, um, you know, investing in becoming strong and healthy as a birthing person. Um, I'm going to do all those things to prepare as much as I can, but these uncertainties come up and that can be just part of my personal progress in labor, yes. my personal journey to, to meeting my baby yeah, or yeah, becoming a parent or, you know. And that's <clears throat> the emotional, spiritual work, yes, I think, you know. Definitely. And there's a book, and I, I know I shared it with you, it's called Transformed by Birth mm-hmm. by a woman named Britta Bushnell. And it is, it's a guide around preparing for letting go of Mm. expectations and that's not necessarily saying letting go of your hopes for your birth that's right right like you want to try and set yourself up for the birth that you want Mm -hmm. however a big part of the process is letting go i mean it is the process absolutely is the process on every level whether Mm -hmm. that's like physically letting go muscularly (laughs) emotionally yes and so you know you can have a vision but then it's like how can you also be versatile and adaptable and resilient in your mind so that when something happens that you weren't expecting, Mm -hmm. like your labor stalls all of a sudden or your water breaks and you don't go into labor for an extra Mm -hmm. day, you know, that doesn't totally throw you completely. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 It is. It's a hard, and it's a hard thing as a midwife to, to 
I was just th- reflecting on that a little while ago. It's a really difficult thing as a midwife to have those discussions sometimes because there are certain some people who have a certain, like, this is how I want it to go. No, I'm definitely not okay with an epidural or, mm-hmm. you know, certain things that they're very strongly have feelings about. And I always want to honor those because that's that person's, that's her preferences, right? Or her family's preferences. Um, but at the same time, I also want to discuss, okay, birth is uncertain. So what if this were to happen? Right. What do you, what do you want if that were to happen? What are your preferences in that circumstance? So I do try to encourage families to think about, okay, what if it, it doesn't go that way? Yeah. Then think about what are your options and what are your preferences in that situation? And some people are really resistant to that. Yeah. Um, and that can be hard because I never want to, um, pass on any fear or um, judgment or anything like that to any to any of my clients but uh, it is I think it's a really important um, like thought process or you know kind of thinking through okay what if my journey took a different turn and would I be okay would I be okay okay exactly how can I I think that's the keys how can I and that's like you said that sort of emotional work mental work beforehand because in the moment it's harder to adapt your brain to what's going on right but if you sort of thought about it and prepared in your mind okay if this does happen this is I'm going to be okay because of these things or you know and you're not saying you want it, right? And no. it's just saying, and it is important because the mm. rigidity, and this this can be applied, I think, to all facets of life, yes, but like yeah. the rigidity around things um, and feeling like the need to control when we don't have the control mm. is that's when it becomes traumatic or that's when it becomes right. really difficult and super disappointing right. when you become so fixated on a certain outcome or an yeah. idea that you're going to control a situation that's right um, yeah and that is you know that is the the work i i think the true emotional spiritual and physical work of birth and it's mm-hmm. you know i think about now moving into my second birth and having had one is letting go of the expectations of the first birth right right so mm-hmm. i'm not in the clear and, yeah. and that's important work for me because Absolutely. i visualize my birth i visualize it happening so similar to how it happened with yes, Joni. right I could not get to the pool this time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's so many different things that could happen. That's and right. it's like, how can I feel okay in myself mm-hmm. regardless of, of how of that's going to happen? Happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And part of that too, you know, is, is having that, having really good support. Yes. I remember having a discussion when I was doing my training in Ireland, I went to a birthing center in Scotland, the most gorgeous place to ever give birth. It looks like they have their birthing suite, kind of looks out over the sea. Oh God. It's just stunning. Yeah. So it, I was having this conversation with one of the midwives there, very experienced midwife, and about my frustrations in Ireland, just without, you know, not having that continuity of care, having a very much more medical, um, I suppose, m- medical perspective of, of birthing and pregnancy overall. And we had a really good conversation. One of the things that has always stuck with me is she said, you know, Lee, like we can't control always can like we can control to a point how people you know the outcomes for people but we really ultimately cannot <laughs> control what happens like that uncertainty piece but if we can provide that support and that care for somebody in those situations then we've really done our job as That's midwives right. right is to really be there for for people in in all the aspects you know physically uh, with with information involving them in the dis- decisions supporting them yeah. um 
providing emotional support. Like those things are so key um, in those moments of uncertainty and, and, you know, change from what you expect. And would you say that's one of the bigger differences between the midwifery model and the medical model? Yeah, yeah. for sure. I think so too. Well, it's, it's all about that relationship, right? Like you were saying, like, you know, appointments with the midwife are, you know, 45 minutes, you know, an hour, 45 minutes. Um, so you have time to discuss, you have time to to have those conversations of what what's important to you and we know how you're doing kind of emotionally most a lot of the time because mm -hmm. we have those conversations whereas when you're in and out of a like a quick literally like checking on your baby um appointment that's very difficult to to feel supported in those situations i mean certainly yes information giving is always um, i have to say like our um, physicians are excellent at that mm -hmm. giving that information to to people when they're birthing um i don't know that it's the same though no it's not the same you're getting information but not necessarily a relationship and emotional care and emotional know? care yeah like i think about yeah. even just you showing up at the house and checking mm -hmm. how dilated I was, mm -hmm. right? And you're you're coming, yes, you're doing a very medical thing. You're mm -hmm. checking on baby, you're checking on me. Yes. But at the same time, you're like, it's okay. You're doing yeah. well. This is normal. Yeah. You know, you're, how are you doing? Yes. Emotionally, like you're checking in on all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, I'm showing up at the clinic. Mm -hmm. Quick, quick, quick. And yeah, let's out. quick check and then you're gone. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I mean, that's not easy, I'm sure, for physicians either. No. Um, you know, they definitely are trying to um, create, within their models, create some kind of relationship building, but it's It's just hard. the model it's, itself. It, it's exactly that. It's the model itself. It's not yeah. the physicians per se. Yeah. And it's, that's that, there, and this is where um, midwifery is so outside of that model, mm -hmm. especially... Um, it seems like in Canada. Mm -hmm. Is there a country that has an even more progressive approach with midwifery? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I would say probably some of the European countries. Yeah. Where they have um, like their own centers and... Yes. Oh, yeah. And England as well. I mean, everybody who births basically everybody who births in England would have a midwife. And they have various, various models where in Ireland... It was all um, in the hospitals mm -hmm. with midwives. Uh, England, they or UK, I should say, they have um, like independent midwives. They have birthing centers. They have right. like uh, units that are attached to a hospital, but that are like a midwifery-led unit, um, cool. but attached to the hospital if need, you know, if intervention was needed. So it's a little bit more integrated in yeah, that way, or a little bit more option, a few more options, I would say. Okay. We're very, I would say we're in, quite integrated with our healthcare system, which is one of the reasons why it can be a really safe option to have a midwife and home birth. Yeah. We have good relationships with, you know, if we did need to transfer, we have good relationships with our hospitals and with our other healthcare professionals for the most part. And you have people that birth in the hospital. Yes. Yeah. Often. Often. Yeah. yeah. But part. I mean, we were talking about this before and I think it's an important point. It's that while it might be integrated, you know, you guys are still like contractors to healthcare, yes. mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. it's not like, are doctors contractors? Hmm. I don't think they, I'm I, not sure. Maybe if they have a private practice. But if I you work so. in the hospital, you're... Yeah, so yes. the, yeah, I'm not entirely sure okay. how their model works in that regard. But yeah. for you guys, you can build the yeah, government. Yeah, so we can build the, gov the, the government for any care that we provide for midwives. But we're essentially private practice. 
self-employed. Oh, self-employed. Yes. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Right. And we were talking about that because yesterday I was talking to Julie, who's also my doula about this. And um, she had said that midwives are leaving the profession like five times more now. Mm. And I don't, I, I can't prove that right now because it's yeah, just like yeah. what Julie said. But basically, yeah. underlying thing is like we are in dire need of midwives mm-hmm. and they're overworked. That's right. <laughs> and yeah. underpaid. Underpaid, yeah. Yes. Undervalued, really. Undervalued. Yeah. And I would say, you know, thankfully here in Kamloops, I do feel like we have some really good relationships with our colleagues, um, but that's not always the case. Okay. Um, that's not the, always the case. And so midwives aren't always trusted in their care by other healthcare professionals, which then affects their autonomy and how they practice practice right I bet and we certainly come up with against that you know in in various aspects of our care here as well um we have those hard conversations um Joanna Norman who started midwifery here in Kamloops is a great advocate for midwifery-led care um here and has done a lot of work um like the groundwork towards yeah has done a lot of groundwork towards that so we certainly benefit from that from that groundwork here in Kamloops for sure yeah 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 well I think about because when I had you last time you were at a different practice and you were my midwife so Mm -hmm. it was like I only saw you um and I I mean I think I saw someone else postpartum which was Mm -hmm. just part of you know what has to happen because you do have to take a day off (laughs) but the thing that I couldn't wrap my head around is just how much you guys have to work Mm -hmm. and you know like the on-call piece Mm -hmm. and um, I know that you've moved to a different model now in your practice with Sage Hills midwifery Mm -hmm. and it's now the three of you yes working together yeah so it's a more of a team model which actually is how most midwifery is in the lower mainland okay so you do a team model where um, a small enough team where we are able to kind of meet everybody and get to know everybody, um, but still have days off, which is always good. Yeah, <laughs> like so scheduled, important. like scheduled days off, and mm-hmm, yeah, good it's, coverage. It's yeah. so 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 important because yeah. I think about you know you've talked a lot about how midwifery care is so um, reliant on relationship, mm-hmm. right? And as a counselor, like I know what that requires yes yeah. <laughs> energetically and I know that even on top of that you guys are like staying up all night mm-hmm. often yes. and you're doing medical care so it's not just relationships. that's right you know the work that you guys do is so diverse mm-hmm. and it pulls on so many different pieces of you mm-hmm. you know intellectually emotionally yeah. physically like your job can be physically oh, demanding you know, when you're at births for hours. Yes. And- <laughs> Wake up the next day, like, I, what did I, what position did I get my body into? I'm not really sure. What was I doing last <laughs> what night? Was I doing? <laughs> How did I catch that baby? <laughs> with like, and like, even just like, you know, like monitoring mm-hmm. a, a fetus. Yes. And like with the Doppler during yeah. a birth. Like, you know, I would think about Ace was at my birth last time and mm-hmm. she's like, in there right yeah. in the pool and you're just yeah we're kind of twisting. <laughs> you're twisting yeah. and but you're yeah. doing that sometimes for a very long time mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there's a lot you guys give a lot yes to your clients yeah. yeah so there's definitely you know definitely a burnout happening and we're seeing a lot of midwives leaving the practice mm-hmm. um and you know, practices closing like in Penticton now. Um okay. the practice there closed. Yeah. Oh, that's very, sad. very sad. Yeah very disappointing yeah. for those those women in that community. Yeah. It is really disappointing. Yeah. 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 As a woman to not to, have that choice, right? Yeah, and I remember mm. with Joni, I um 
I was because I thought my due date was different mm. before um, one of the ultrasounds. So then I was told I couldn't have midwifery care. Oh. And then I was devastated. Like oh. it was, and it was because there was too many people right. birthing at the same time as yeah. me, which is like, you know, fair it enough. It happens. Yeah. It happens. And so um, as a woman, when that choice is not even available, it really sucks. Mm-hmm. I know. And and we find it hard. Like we, are, the ap- the number of applicants we get are far and above what we can take. Oh, really? Yeah. Because obviously to protect our model of care, we, we do have, a you know, sort of a lower caseload of clients um, than say like the maternity clinic. Like yes. we, we definitely can't take those numbers in order to provide the care that we do. Yeah, you can. Um, so it's very hard to pick who to take, right? Like sometimes it's just very difficult because we have to, we have to sort of pick only a few uh, for that particular month. Yeah. depending on you know our numbers for that month we well, um, risk you risk the care right and but there's yeah there's lots of people that don't get midwifery care and and that's it's really unfortunate we would love to take everybody because i think everybody should have that option yes um so we definitely need more midwives in this community and generally in this province yeah yeah and so when you think about do you think that's one of the biggest challenges right now with midwifery care is the lack of midwives <clears throat> lack of midwives but also lack of value and and supportive midwives um like we don't you know because we're private practitioners we don't have any like sick leave or like maternity maternity yeah maternity leave there's, there's no maternity leave yeah. there's just no there's very little support for midwives and um, we're certainly appealing to the government for things like that right now our, are you yeah our association is um so yeah that's you can big. support us as much as you can to you know to ask the government to really value us as as practitioners do you guys have a campaign going right now there has been a campaign um I haven't seen anything lately, but okay. there was, yeah, there was certainly a campaign through the Midwives Association of BC okay. uh, fairly recently, just trying to appeal to the government because we're back um, um, in negotiations at the moment, um, trying to trying to get a better better deal for us. That's good. Better care. Yeah. Well, I think you know. about, and I know you mentioned this before we got on microphone, but, you know, when we think about women's health, it, it just feels like it's another example of how women's health is undervalued it, it is totally undervalued it takes a backseat in so many ways um you know and we definitely see that in in the provision of or, or like the value of midwifery care because we know that midwifery-led care is very woman-centered yes <laughs> right and that's that's the whole purpose of midwifery-led care is to be women-centered um and it's under it's undervalued. It's undervalued, yeah. It's underpaid. Yeah. And I mean, and there's still, and we've kind of we've dipped in and out of, of mentioning this, but there's yeah. still a stigma around it. I mm-hmm. mean, like historically, midwives were witches. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. still seen by some people, even if it's not verbalized. Burn the witches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, shamanism or these these yes. things, these healer mm-hmm. things, which were really valuable at that time. But mm-hmm. um there's still this underlying the perspective of them. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. This underlying idea that that midwifery is alternative. Yes. It's alternative care, yes. right? That somehow I, absolutely. it's Absolutely. Yeah. When it's not like what makes it alternative, mm-hmm. right? And why does it what is the and it's alternative maybe because it's it is not what has been the the norm for the last how many years, but yes. it's actually been the norm for if we were to centuries expand, and centuries that's right yes yeah so in a lot of ways it's not alternative it, no it's, it's really the not. norm and you know when you know we were talking about the research on midwifery led care earlier like when you look at that 
it's midwifery care is essential, (laughs) essential for women's health and for newborns health and fetal health. Like it's really essential. It's not alternative. No, it's not. And I, and I know I keep saying this, but Mm. that I look at the mental, uh, the emotional and mental Mm. health of women and Mm. mothers, like it's a serious problem. It is a problem. It is therefore the community as a whole. And the ability to parent. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times when we, there's been correlations between what's happened in birth and and what's happening postpartum with like postpartum Mm -hmm. depression, postpartum anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, It's often linked. Oh, absolutely is linked. It's linked. And so when women aren't getting the support that they need during pregnancy and birth, we're seeing longer term impacts um, on their mental health. And therefore, you know, there's impacts on families and communities. And And we know as well that, you know, women who are struggling with anxiety and depression in the pregnancy as well as postpartum, that affects their they're like the fetus in utero. Yes. Um, just hormonally. Um, it can affect the fetal brain development. And then afterwards as well, like you said, like the community of their family, especially if the other partner is also um, depressed or has anxiety. Yes. That's going to affect the children growing up. And, and you yeah. can imagine not having supportive care yes. while you have that, right? Yes. Um, while you're, you're managing anxiety or OCD yes. or depression yeah. and then not having the type of care where you're feeling empowered. That's right. And then you're going into a birth and you're not feeling safe. I mean, it compounds mm-hmm. and, and we really see does. the impact. And, yeah. um, you know, then there's also not a lot of support for... Um, mental health so then it's right it's yes. just a perfect just, storm yeah sometimes. it keeps just yeah yeah that's right it's a tough one for sure and and you know certainly in these times of the pandemic <sighs> we're seeing that even more so than we ever have before like the anxiety you know, oh yeah so much anxiety and, and depression and people struggling with their mood um it just seems to be exponentially higher than it ever has been before. And like you said, very little support for that, Yes, um, which is very, it's tough. Yeah. Well, I think about the necessity as a pregnant woman and as a early or new mom um, for community. Mm. I mean, you talk about yeah. communities birthing babies before, like midwives living in community. Yes. Um, it is a time in which I think we have a deep primal need mm-hmm. for support mm-hmm. and connection yes um so being pregnant during a pandemic um during covid mm-hmm. and not having the ability to see your family for some people yes. not being able to connect with their friends yeah um not like it's just of course it's going to impact our mental absolutely. health absolutely yes yes and absolutely. we we talk about it um a little bit, but we don't talk about it enough. We really don't. And we sort of almost normalized it, but really not recognizing the impact that it's actually truly having yeah. on our mental health and our families. And there's a, a study that I found quite interesting. Um, I can't remember when it was. I think Dr. Herxma. I could be, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure if that's right. But she did a study where she looked at the brain of um, pregnant mothers and and then postpartum as well, looked at their brains. And their gray matter actually um, significantly decreases. And the way it was kind of described, it's almost like a pruning, like a synaptic pruning. Mm. So, you know, we always talk about, you know, pregnancy brain or postpartum yes. brain, <laughs> breastfeeding brain. Um, this actually seems to be a thing where the brain actually seems to adapt. So, you know, have kind of prunes these synapses. So kind of break some connections where you maybe forget 
daily things that yes. don't really matter um, and maybe start to build more connection um, to other people, have more empathy, mm. more, f- more for bonding with your baby or with community around you. Wow. Um, so, you know, you just think of it like biologically and physically that's happening yes. as well. And when we're not having those connections with others, how, how does that affect everybody involved? Yes. Right? Yes. And the feeling of safety. Yes. Oh, you know, yeah. not only just the connection for these, you know, primal needs of, mm-hmm. of preparing for baby and mm-hmm. feeling support, but that's that safety piece and 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 just, you know, like knowing that people have your back. Yes. <laughs> you know, oh, totally. to put it simply, it's yeah. it's such a huge transition. And you're experiencing the same thing. That this is again that normalizing. That's right. Okay, this is a normal part of becoming a parent. This is a normal part of a changing family you know and having those connections for that I think about postpartum and how I went to a yoga class once a week and Mm. um the thing that I gained from that experience was not the yoga right it was all the other mothers connection yeah and it was the babies and everyone else showing up all Mm -hmm. dirty and tired and and Like, okay, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. And then being able to have conversation with them and, mm-hmm. and having community. And then I think about new moms that have come out and new families that have come out in the mm-hmm. pandemic and how they haven't had that opportunity. That's right. For community. And um, it's really, yeah, I, it's a concern of mine. And I think about mm-hmm. it because I see it out, I see it happen with people, not just with pregnant people, right? Yeah. In my practice. And I mean, right now in Kamloops, there's wait lists at every single oh I know mental health it's so difficult for us as, as practitioners like to be able to refer people because it's either private pay or it's a really long wait list yeah um at the public uh, mental health and even private pay we're talking oh, sure. about we're talking yeah. about two months to yeah. three months wait list yeah. people aren't getting in That's you crazy. know and mm. I'm getting calls for clients to for me to take them on two to three clients a week still. And mm, I'm on maternity wow. leave. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, it speaks to the impact yeah. that this pandemic is having yeah. on mental health. And we're, I think we're scared to talk about that mm-hmm. because it feels like if we say that there's an impact on mental health, that we're, we don't believe in COVID or that, you know, like right, that right. these two things can't exist at the same time, right. but they do. They and do. They are existing. Exactly. And they are yeah. affecting people. Yeah. yeah. And their mental health. Yeah, it's I think connection is is so key for us as humans, let alone pregnant humans, right? Like it just as humans it's so important for us to connect with others and have conversations and commune, like be in community. It's yes. such a key part. Well, yeah. it's the one thing that's consistent across every culture. Mm. It's it's happened since we've yeah. been Yeah. You know, it's it is an absolute need and I mm-hmm. I maybe and I'm hope, you know, this is my hopeful self, but I just I just hope that we can become more intentional about that. Yes. Moving out of this pandemic yes. and and really see how important our communities mm-hmm. are and to not us. forget how how bad it was or how, you know, impactful it was to when not we have that. Yes, when we couldn't hug each yeah. other, when we couldn't dance yeah. together, when we couldn't yeah. have suppers with our friends, when yeah. we couldn't go to community events together. Mm-hmm. Like these things are so important. So important. And they're woven within the tapestry of what it means to be human mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and not being able to access that has had a really big impact on people yeah. and people differently. Right. Yeah. Um, because I've been with people doing work this whole time as you right, have. Right. Right. I've had those needs met 
in other ways. In other ways, yes. Because <laughs> I'm true. seeing people every yeah. day, <laughs> yeah. you know, but if yeah. I was not in this job, mm-hmm. I would not be well. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally am a bit more of a an introvert anyway, so I'm quite happy to just stay at home <laughs> or, you know, read a book or whatever. But I, even myself, like I... So I, I see people very frequently, but that connection is not quite, it's not the same. No. Right. You don't, the connection with people that are close to me outside of work that, you know, that, that's suffering. Yeah. It's not easy to maintain that when you're not like able to be with them and hang out and do daily things. Right. Yeah. And not be the practitioner. Right. Yes. Like, so it's yeah. one thing to get some yeah. of those needs met, but it's not, it's definitely not the same. Not the same. Yeah. Is your yeah. family in Kamloops? I, my husband's parents are. Okay. And mm-hmm. where's your family? My family are all over the world. Are they? <laughs> yeah. My dad's in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandpa, like his side of the family are all in England, North of England. And my brothers are both in South Africa. It's with their right families yeah yeah and then you grew so. up in zimbabwe until the age of um i was 17 or 18 wow so yeah like the most 17 17 yeah and oh. then i came to canada yeah i know so i've lived more of my life here than i ever did in zimbabwe which is bizarre because i i, I feel like i connect more with my african roots but yeah, well, it's know. the it's the yeah. form the formative years, right? Yes, true. So, you know, zero to seventeen, like yeah, that's true. when your brain's developing yeah. and your experiences are yeah. kind of the first. Yeah. So yeah, um, that's such a. I remember thinking when I looked you up before when I was um, looking for a midwife. Thinking, yeah. Oh, she's from Africa too, because Tim's you <laughs> that's know, right. grew up from in South, South Africa. Africa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when did he leave South Africa? Um, he came to Canada. I think. Oh goodness. I don't even know. Test so <laughs> a test me. Well, he kind of bumped back and forth. So he came here, I think in 2012 um, to Toronto okay. for some time. And then he went back to South Africa. Mm. Then he came back and forth tree planting in the summertime. Oh, okay. Yes. And then when w- we had met on one of his summers tree planting, oh. and then he went back to South Africa and then we had to make the decision, like, are you going to move here right. more permanently? Is this real or... Yeah, are we going to take this risk? Are we going to do this? <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and he did. And Aww. now we have a baby and another one another coming. Another one coming. It's awesome. What a great but yeah, story. Yeah, so he just, he just bumped back and forth. But he yeah. was he did try living in Markham for a period of time, mm. um, working. And then he just found that, like, okay, if I tree plant and go back and forth, I think that it'll be more financially viable yeah. for me. And, you know, as a musician, he just felt like that was yeah. more fun for him, I think. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, that was always a, a big drop when I saw your profile. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. so Africa. Africa. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I don't, just want to check my questions. Sure. Mm-hmm. Wow, I feel like we covered a lot of it. Um, oh, one of the things I wanted to ask you is: so you guys have been open in your new clinic now. Is this year two? Year three. Not quite. September will be year like it'll be two years. So September last year was the first year. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And so are you noticing a difference in the model of care <clears throat> for you as a midwife? Definitely. Yes. Yeah. It's much more manageable. It's much more of a balance for a work life balance. Um, because when you're on, on your own as a midwife, you're always on call. Yeah. Like twenty four seven, unless you're on your holidays. Um and that's hard. That can be hard. So you're doing call and clinic. And so this way we have scheduled days off. We have sort of a rotating schedule between the three of us. Yeah. Um, and also I like, I really enjoy my colleagues. So that helps as yes. well. They're very, you know, fairly similar. Yeah, they're lovely. And they are. 
So I'm very grateful for that, that we connect really well. I, th- I feel like we care for our clients fairly similarly, um, yeah. which helps. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've been, you know, having been a client previously and then yeah. now a client of the shared yeah. model is I do appreciate it. I mean, as much as I'm like, I want Lee. I know. Like, I want to be at your birth. <laughs> I'm like, uh, Lee's going to be at my That's birth. Right. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there too. Like, I will be here. Well, we have Monday, right? Monday you're back in. Yes. 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 I've been holding it. But I, I'm ready to come anyways. <laughs> yeah, even so if it's on holiday. <laughs> but if, other than that attachment, yes. which we've talked about, yes. I've really enjoyed actually having um, you know, more women involved. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I think about even my first birth having, you know, my best friend and my doula mm-hmm. and then the two midwives. And I hadn't met Ace before she came to my birth. Right, right. Right? And so what I know now for sure is that I will have met all of the midwives. That's right. Right? So she's yeah. second and I had never met her. That's right. Which yeah. is, I mean, that is a maybe a risk of the other model. That's right. And that can happen, Some, you know, sometimes. It can happen even with our model, but it's just less likely because, yeah. I mean, for second intending, it could be we have other people that you may have not met. Oh, really? Um, but we do try to second for each other okay. if we can, just because... We know our clients, right? And it's it's a pleasure for us to do that if we can. Oh, I bet. I yeah. mean, it's like it's you know, I, it, it's it's like you're preparing or you're working with this client all the way. Yeah. It's like you want to get to I, the birth. Absolutely, <laughs> I want to see this prize. You're like, let's go. That's, I have to say, that's maybe the one thing you know. If you've been at a labor with somebody for a long time, and then there's sort of that changeover. We change over at nine o'clock in the morning. So if there's a changeover, and I know that you know this person's probably not going to birth until you know sort of later in the day. Then I really responsibly should hand it oh, off to so one of my hard. colleagues. And it's really hard because I'm like, no, I've done all this work with this woman. I really want to stay here. You're like, can you call me when <laughs> you think right. it's going to be about 30 <laughs> <Yeah>. minutes? <laughs> exactly. Can I come when it's nearly there? <laughs> I bet that would yeah, be hard. It's hard. Yeah. That would so be that, really hard. That part is hard. Or with repeat clients, like, you know, the possibility that I may not be at your birth is very sad to me. I know. Yeah. I know. But I don't but think it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> We've been, just, we've been like, yes, yes. Denial, denial, yes. right? <laughs> All right, but I'm letting go of expectations. I'm like, my only oh, yeah, expectation right. is Lee's going to be there. Oh, wait, okay, no. Wait a second. No, I've talked with both uh, the other two midwives, and they're like, we both want to be at your birth. And I I'm know. Like, I'm so honored. Yeah, and this is, we have the, this, you know, for, certainly for home births as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we all want to be there. There's certain births that we're like, we all want to be there. And that's such a great feeling. It to, is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And I think that also speaks to those that are listening. Like, you know, if all of you want to be at a home birth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know you guys give everyone choices, but it's yeah. like when home births are so special or like, yeah. when, you know, there's, it just shows you that birth can be such a beautiful, powerful experience, not mm-hmm. something that's fearful and, Correct. you know, yeah. that we need, yeah, tons yeah. of intervention and yeah. stuff for, so... Yeah. yeah, I'm endlessly grateful for midwifery yeah. care. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm so glad. I really, really am. I, I mean, obviously I'm biased as a midwife, but I I mean, beyond the fact that I am a midwife, I do, I wish that all women who wanted midwifery care could get it. Yeah. If, that, if I could change anything in BC, that would be, <laughs> or in Canada or anywhere, that's what I would change, well, that everybody who that. wants one would get one. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that too. Yeah. You know, I've often thought about if I wasn't a counselor, I would have been a midwife. You make a great midwife. I would love to be a midwife. You know, you after after having my birth, I yeah. just like there was something that yeah. sparked in me. I just mm-hmm. and now I just work with 
women, yeah, not just which, women. Which is very important it as is. well. It's such important work. To but I want to be at the birth. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's the, that's it's a like a part. drug, it's you know? It's a great part. I know. Births are amazing. I mean, it's, it's not only about the births, but we do really like the births. <laughs> They're amazing. Yeah, they I'm, are. Yeah. And so I'm yeah. just like going to weasel my way into as many yeah. births as possible in yeah. my life is my hope. <laughs> and that's it. It's like... I think that whole, you know, like having your best friend there, for example, mm. like that's how we're going to start kind of including people from our communities in birth so that they see birth and normal, you know, normal births and pass that on. Oh, you know, I had this experience. And right. I just feel like those stories are necessary. They are. They are really necessary. And even having kids at birth, you know, like whether mm, they can yes, handle it. But yes. that's like, this is how we change the culture. And, yes. and just, you know, like we, with Joni, because we don't know whether she's going to be here or not. Mm-hmm. We've been watching um, birth videos with Lovely, her. Lovely, yeah. And, um, but even in the birth videos, seeing women who have, you know, their three kids there mm-hmm. or, you know, in a birthing room, there's like six people. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I would probably be locked in the bathroom. Right. Personally, as the birthing then, woman. I'm just going to say, it really depends on the birthing person, right? right? Yeah. I'm a pretty, I was like quite private at least last mm-hmm. time in the beginning, but um, having people just in your vicinity. And so this time, you know, I'm going to have a friend here for Joni, um, a different friend mm-hmm. and um, Julie and midwives and mm-hmm. Tim. And, um, you know, if it wasn't COVID, we were hoping to have my sister here right, as well. Right. But I am a firm believer in that now, you know, mm-hmm. how can we, as long as it's okay for the birthing women and people are versatile and adaptable that mm-hmm. if they're asked to leave, they leave. That's right. Right. Yeah. And they can respect the birthing space. Yes. Um, but yeah, more exposure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And those, and those good stories too. Right. Or even like stories that maybe, um, don't go to plan, but how, how women were resilient through that, how they made it through that, how they sort of reframe those, those experiences. Yes. Yes. I think think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the pieces at this book that I I already talked about transformed Mm -hmm. by birth is she talks about, you know, in birth, you will have to go to the depths of yourself. Mm hmm. Or you should expect that. Mm-hmm. I, right? I, I say that to my clients all the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This experience will likely take you to the very bottom. <laughs> it will. It will. It right. forces you there whether you want to go or not. Right. Yeah. So you either go willingly or, yeah. <laughs> or <fight laughs> you fight the nail all the way. <laughs> or you run away from the toilet. That's right. Um, and not in a bad way either. I want no. to clarify, like, you know, to the depths of yourself, like where you're the root of you is that's right your strength and your power and beauty yeah yeah and you get to pull it up and you get to say and so how can you take your experience and and reframe it or see like how how you actually were really Mm -hmm. resilient and when I do that trauma work with women around their birth it's you know I ask them like well when like what did you do Mm -hmm. you know how and a really good question is how did your birth change you Mm. yes how did it change you yeah because it did change you. Yeah. There's no way in hell it didn't. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And so seeing that there was a transformation of sorts, even if that transformation didn't come in the package that you were hoping, mm-hmm. there was something. Mm-hmm. And we all get ours, you know, that's whether right. you're going to, you, your challenge, what I mean, and whether that's mm-hmm. going to be a challenging pregnancy mm-hmm. or you've been really sick or you had a really challenging birth mm-hmm. or you had a challenging postpartum. You know, there's always a part of this journey that's going to, really ask you to trust yourself yeah yeah for sure and even you know because we are seeing you know lots of 
there is trauma around birth. We see that quite often. Like we'll sometimes get people in that have had a very traumatic first birth. Um, and it, I always get quite, I wouldn't say excited, but I, I love that because I'm like, okay, I get a chance to help this person redeem that I think maybe is the word mm, redeem I don't know if that's a good word yeah to use but yeah and, and maybe maybe I can be part of that journey and that would be amazing if I could right I always think and that I'm sure sometimes pretty, you are and hopefully I am yes. um where was I going with this that birth can be traumatic yes it can be traumatic but even in in the processing of that traumatic birth like with you know with you and counseling like Yes, that may be your experience, but then you grow in this way because you've had to deal with that That's right. pain and that trauma, and now you're here and you've grown, right? So there's always, like you say, there's always some growth and some change, yes. positive change that can come out of it. And can you see it, right? right. And how can you see the... the can you the, let it come? That's yeah, right. You know. And can you see your resiliency in the face of some right. of that challenge? And I mean, when you... I, I already said my perspective, but when you think about birth as a traumatic experience I mean what for you what do you think makes birth a traumatic experience it's hard to pinpoint that to be honest you know I always thought it was you know the traumatic kind of births that I would look at and go oh that was a lot you know maybe an assisted birth or emergency really, yeah emergency stressful environment but there's we've had I've certainly had experiences with with clients who have had to me what was such a lovely normal straightforward birth and they've experienced it as a traumatic event interesting so it's it's actually really hard for me to sort of say what is it's probably the best answer it's, each, <laughs> it's each person it is it, it, their experience of it right mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. I think that that just speaks to exactly what you were speaking to a minute ago about how it's, I don't want to say it's about perspective, because it's not necessarily, perspective sounds shallow, mm. but it's like your, how you experience yourself, mm -hmm. you know, you could have what would be from the outside a home birth that was really <laughs> natural and beautiful, mm -hmm. and someone can see that as being a yeah. traumatic event. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, on the other hand, I've had people where I... You know, I've thought, oh, man, they're going to have to deal with some stuff. And they just have had great things to say about their birth, so positive. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. They, like, they felt supported through that. They didn't, the, the trauma just wasn't there for them. Interesting. And, and uh, you know, certainly there's situations where maybe that's denied mm -hmm. in, in a bit of denial. But I've, I've seen it where it looks real to me, like that they just have not experienced it as a, as a trauma but were supported enough through it that they actually thought it was an amazing birth experience. Which is awesome. Which you know, is and always it, great. <laughs> and that is great. And it, it yeah. speaks, it really, I think, highlights the importance that we don't, um, you know, see it medic all medical births as traumatic, mm. or we see all C-sections as traumatic, mm -hmm. or we see all home births as not traumatic. And Correct. this yep. is sometimes what happens, especially in certain communities mm. around like natural birthing communities. Mm -hmm. and, and even though the intention is to actually like make birth natural for women, which is mm. very important as we've talked about throughout this whole podcast but this the this like boxing of you know this is a traumatic birth and this is not a traumatic birth mm -hmm. is not helpful no because there's a lot of shame for some women when they don't get to have a vaginal birth right right for yeah. various reasons um and then they feel like it should be traumatic because of that or that they mm. did something wrong because they couldn't have the natural right. birth or right. whatever it is yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. there's it's not a cookie cutter it's, it's not really like, not no 
And I think that's partly why I love my job so much is it's not, nothing's cookie cutter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sometimes I wish it was, I wish you could say, okay, we're going to plan your birth on this particular day at this particular time, you know, if we could do that, that'd be amazing. But some OBs can, <laughs> some OBs can, yes. <laughs> or, yeah, family doctors <laughs> won't say that, but <laughs> it's true, though. It like, is true. Yeah. No, it's totally um, true. But for the yeah, I mean, generally, birth is just not predictable. No, so you get to just fly by the seat of your pants. All yeah, the time. kind of. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, obviously we'd do risk assessments and kind of you know we know who's more at risk for certain things and plan for that but overall it's really it's different every time yeah that's so cool I can just imagine how amazing that is and also yeah just such an adventure for you guys yeah an adventure that's a good word because you know sometimes it's not amazing (laughs) sometimes it's like oh man I wish I could predict this and keep you know sort of do what I have it do what I wanted to do but I'm yeah. sure though you have ideas of like you know certain women labor certain ways like you can start to have wider boxes of like yes I can imagine this is going to go this way yes like I remember you saying you know when women have this experience they often have a really fast labor mm, right, right right or or not really fast but like a faster, faster labor yes um and so it's like I'm sure over time as you practice you start to have ideas yes of maybe not they're not small boxes they're right. bigger boxes yeah, bigger, of like yes okay so I can imagine this birth is gonna work yes, out yes yeah yeah and I've certainly been surprised too oh, like sure. you know there's some situations where I think oh I think she might have a longer labor and definitely will need some pain management and you know you I think we always we all make judgments all the time of course right? and whether humans. we sort of act on those or not it's hard to know but um yeah there's certainly people that I would put in the in that kind of a box and then they do their resiliency comes out yeah and I actually I love that because I'm like I was wrong and I'm so glad I was wrong yeah about that particular situation and that's just learning you know that's just learning for you too and I Mm -hmm. think about that I can relate to that in the counseling room when you're like oh I don't you know I don't think that that person's gonna have that conversation you know with their partner right because it's too scary then they come back and they're like i did and you're like yeah, Whoa, yeah I'm that's, so yeah know, like, so that's amazing. So, yeah it's yeah. amazing yeah no it's so good yeah. well you know lee i'm so excited for my birth i'm so excited too yeah and as you know we, we said this morning i have to get more uncomfortable before that happens that's right <laughs> you look too lovely and, uh, and, and comfortable today <laughs> i know i was feeling quite uncomfortable a couple weeks ago when i ended work and i was like man this baby might come early and then yeah I, the other day I walked downtown. It was like a 25-minute walk with a backpack mm. on. And as I got downtown, I thought, oh, shit. I'm not having this baby for at least a couple more weeks. <laughs> I'm like, there's no yeah, way yeah. that I would be able to do a 30-minute walk with a backpack. Right. If I was going if into labor. If you were going into labor. Prob- yeah, probably not. Probably you not. Who know. knows? Yeah, but I know have. my body enough to know that yeah. I think I need to get a little bit more. You probably said something deeper than that even. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> we have time and I'm glad you're going to be back on call. I'll be back on call. <laughs> more of a chance although I was kind in some ways hoping it would be while I was on holiday because then I would for sure be able to be here all right because she could be like I'm just gonna come in gonna come in second do you hear that baby (laughs) so funny well thank you so much for being here today. oh such a pleasure always Deandra yeah well it's a pleasure to have you and I know that um our listeners are going to be so happy to have heard the perspective of hmm. a midwife and around midwifery care yeah. because as women we're just like trying to get as much as that That's information right. as possible yeah and if so. you know if anybody does want more information on midwifery care or uh, midwifery led care 
I'm very happy to provide some resources. So you're welcome to connect them to me. Okay. And mm-hmm. so that's Sage Hills Midwifery in Kamloops. Yes. Sage yes. Hills Community Midwives. Yes. Thank mm-hmm. you. And um, you guys do have social media, don't you? We do. <laughs> oh, who yes, manages that? <laughs> not, not I. <laughs> no, you guys I don't should. have enough. I was going to say, like, you're not going to find these women, like, pumping their Instagram <laughs> oh, and I Facebook. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, no. they're too busy we delivering do it when babies. We can, kind of thing. Yes, <laughs> yes. exactly. <laughs> so if you want some more information, there's also the BC Association of Midwives. Um, so you probably find more information on the Midwifery Association of BC. Okay. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, what okay. you were that's saying. That's the better yeah. way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll link that in the show notes, and I'll also Lovely. put your clinic yeah um with and there's your, also mighty oak yes. uh, midwifery yeah mighty oak midwives <laughs> yeah you're like spread it yeah. out because <laughs> we both have to take we, women yeah well this is it we always say like apply both because if you get in with a midwife perfect yeah you're lucky yeah 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 <laughs> and hang on to that midwife <laughs> yes and do yeah. and um you know there's some other i'm sure there's lots of resources out there but yes. um if anything i want to say or the one thing i want to say is let's just continue this conversation mm. all of us around birth yes. and um health and women's health yeah. because it's a really important yeah. conversation and tell your stories the positive ones and how you made it through the the hard ones yeah. to tell the stories yeah that's important thanks for each other you're welcome awesome well there you have it a full conversation about birth labor midwifery care and so if you know someone who might benefit from hearing this conversation um, please feel free to share as we said getting this information out is so important especially for women undergoing this journey and being able to make the choices that they want to make in their birthing and labor process. Well, you know where you can find me, deandra.day at at Instagram or on Instagram. And you can also find these podcasts up on my YouTube channel, Deandra Day Therapy. I am preparing now to go into the process of birth and labor myself. So I am not taking on clients at this time, but am collecting people for a wait list. So if you're interested in that, you can reach out and, um, you know, we'll keep coming back and recording podcasts as we can throughout this um, postpartum time once our little one joins us. So um, until then, take care of yourselves and each other.